We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the LakersNation.com podcast. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane over on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. All-Star Weekend is behind us. I snuck in a little family vacation, but now back and ready for what's going to be the most important stretch of the Lakers season by far. LeBron James even called it perhaps the most important regular season games of his career. 23 games left. The Lakers need to make a push to make the playoffs. If they get in, who knows? Anything can happen. I think this team is interesting. They've got talent, but they've got to start stacking up wins, and they've got to do it. Right now, joining me today is Sean Davis from LakersNation.com. Sean, how are you doing? And thanks for uh, holding down the fort uh, yourself, as long as well as a number of other Lakers Nation staffers, and, and Scorpio Sky as well that that hopped in while I was out. Yeah, absolutely, Trev. Glad you got some fun family vacation time uh, where it's warm, uh, <laughs> not in the cold. Um, but yeah, no, glad that we are inching closer and closer to actual basketball games being played and not whatever happened Sunday night. I'm yeah. Okay. We, but we could talk about that for a minute. The all-star game. I actually, I was back from the, the, you know, we were in Orlando, we were visiting all the different theme parks and doing all of that, doing, you know, the magic kingdom and Hollywood studios and all that kind of stuff. We were back in time to see the all-star game and I put it on. And it really didn't keep my attention, but like, and this is what I do. And I was having a hard time really paying attention to it. Like the players didn't look like they really cared to be out there. The Elam ending didn't matter that much because there was such a big lead heading out of the, the out of the third quarter was not a good look for the NBA. I thought this, this all-star game just felt, just felt non, usually you get the non-competitive start to the game. And then somewhere around the middle of the third quarter, uh, both teams really turn it on and it can become fun, which is what we've seen the last couple of years. Not the case this year. What what went wrong? Does the NBA need to change the All-Star game? I, I feel like we're just going to keep playing with it in this circle of like, do the NBA need to change the All-Star game? And for the past like four or five years I, and last year still like last year was fun from the standpoint that LeBron hit the game winner and Steph went <clears throat> Steph with bananas. But outside of that, it wasn't incredibly competitive. A couple of years prior to that, it was great. Like the uh, the first year we had the Elon ending was phenomenal. Um, the the first couple of years we had the also draft was great. So you you, you I'm all for the NBA doing something different with the All Star game. But the question is, what are they going to do different? And that's where I'm not 
creative in that I in that facet of hey NBA, here's my pitch to change the all-star game. But um the most entertaining part was the draft. It was the draft. Yeah. And that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. That's a that's a huge problem. Now I think for most like true NBA fans, if you're if you're just someone who kind of sort of pays attention to the NBA, but not really like you tune in for the finals and that kind of stuff. You'd be more, I hate using the word casual, Sean, because it's become like a derogatory term that people yeah. use, but let's face it. Casual fans are incredibly important for every sport. Um, so if you, if you are in more of that category where you're, you're not the, the diehard fan, which let, let's face it, probably most people listening or watching this show fall more in the diehard category, but uh, the casual fan out there, if you're just checking in to the all-star game and, and you're not paying attention to a lot of, a lot else what's going on there. I mean, the NBA promotes this as this big spectacle. You probably didn't walk away with a, with a real urge to see a lot more NBA basketball. So that that's where I think the NBA, you know, you've either got to figure out some way to make it a little bit more competitive. Obviously the dunk contest with what Mac McClung did was, was great. Um, and that certainly helps uh, for the night before, but you got to do something to at least make the all-star game appear interesting you got to make it make it be fun make it be something that uh will draw people's attention in or just do away with it and say hey we're gonna do it like the nfl does bye weeks right say hey we're gonna do a bye week the middle of the season maybe that cuts down a little bit on players resting games and in the whole uh you know load management stuff and all that if you want to do that that's fine too i don't i don't think they're actually going to get rid of the all-star game but you got to do something. It's too big of a of a thing. It's you get too many eyeballs for it to just kind of fall flat like this one did. All right, I lied. I have a pitch, Adam Silver. Oh. Listen, heed okay. my warning. You need to do a bye week, right? So, like, whatever the All Star break was, whatever it whatever it started, and it's like think first games for Thursday, right? That needs to be a bye week. The, to get the because the biggest problem with the All Star Game itself is like the lack of interest from players itself. Like players yeah. don't, to be quite frank, they don't care, right? Because like Anthony Davis, especially if you're like already <laughs> been an All Star, he was happy. He was happy. He was like, sure, I get to he he got to do what you did. Try like on vacation for four days <laughs> or whatever, right? You got you postpone the All Star Game and do what the NFL does and make it after the season is over. But you keep everything intact on the Elon ending. You keep the charity so like you have the uh, motivation or whatever to actually still somewhat compete. So your char charity donation of your choice wins a lot, a lot of money and it's after the season. So there's less risk of, oh, no, can't get hurt because I'm still competing for a championship when the season's already over. That's so you're talking like in, in end of June, you're going to do this before the draft and all that? Yep. Okay. NBA Finals, maybe a week or so later, you do the All-Star Game. week or so later, you do the draft. week or so later, free agency or whatever that starts. Interesting. Yeah, that, maybe that's something that they go to. I don't know, ultimately, what they do. Um, this one was not... And there's been, like you said, there have been some other good ones that we've had recently, but this one was certainly not one of them. And, you know, there's been a lot of... A lot of negativity around the all-star game after that. So we'll see. But ultimately, we uh, you know, we got through all-star weekend. The Lakers, most of the players, aside from LeBron, got some time off. And now Thursday, they kick off what's going to be this incredibly important stretch 
of their season. Got to figure out a way to make a push. Got to figure out a way to win some games. Um, so it starts up Thursday against the Golden State Warriors. I'm before we get into any of our news topics. I'm excited, nervous, cautiously optimistic, Sean, for Thursday. Like it feels like it's been too long. Like I'm looking forward to a Lakers game again. It's not that kind of dread of uh oh, there's a Lakers game. Are they going to lose this thing? Or what's you know what's that going to look like? Are we going to feel that pain? I'm looking forward to the Lakers getting back out there and, and out on the floor. Although it is definitely a cautious optimism because we've been hurt so so badly in recent years. Yeah, and Trevor, the biggest point of excitement for me is not only the fact that you would assume the Lakers and this new roster fully healthy would be able to get a couple of practices together. From a coaching and X's and O side of the thing, I want to see what Darvin Ham and his coaching staff get cook up with a week of preparation. It may be not a full week of preparation because, I mean, you would imagine they probably they might have taken a couple of days off to go mm-hmm. spend time with family, maybe take their own vacation, if you will. But I just want to see what this coaching staff can do with multiple games of preparation where you're like, okay, you have a set opponent, set game, like you don't have anything else to worry about right now. We got to prepare for Golden State Thursday night because I think that could be very uh, telling for how well this coaching staff could prepare for a potential playoff series, a potential playing game where it's, okay, we got, let's be realistic. Let's say the Lakers coaching staff probably had three days to prepare, right? Three days, three full days, take three days off to vacation, whatever, practice. You got three days to prepare, prepare for Golden State. That could get put you in the mindset of, now you're a playoff scenario, right? Like, okay, three days for the first playing game of being uh, – I'm not sure if that's the exact amount or like three days for the first round, stuff like that to see how well this coaching staff can game plan. So that's what I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, what do they – especially they just played the Warriors. So what do they throw at them this time around? Are there new wrinkles that we see coming off of that big win against the Pelicans? Were they things that the Lakers saw, particularly changing up the starting lineup against the Pelicans, seeing Jared Vanderbilt and Malik Beasley – jump into the starting five along with D'Lo, LeBron, and AD. Um, Lots of different things that I'm looking forward to seeing. And you're right, the coaching staff, what adjustments they made, I think that's going to be important as well for this one. Again, the Lakers have to start stacking up wins, plain and simple. If they play 500 basketball the rest of the way, they're out. That's it. They're done. They have to start stacking up wins. They've got to go on maybe multiple five, six-game win streaks here to really put themselves back into the mix. And it's going to start again on, on Thursday against the Golden State Warriors. I'll tell you what, Sean, this is, and I'm optimistic, cautiously optimistic. I think that this Lakers team, and we're going to talk about this guy in just a minute, but without Russell Westbrook and with the pieces that they've added with D'Angelo Russell, with Jared Vanderbilt, with Malik Beasley, now you've got Mo Bamba in the mix, of course, Rui Hachimura being added before that. I think this can be a very, very dangerous team. I think the pieces fit much better than they used to, I think you've got the shooting that you need now. I think you're bringing in some energy. You've got a lot of players who were in their physical primes in their 20s. This is a better team. If the Lakers had this team all season, I'm confident in saying they would not be in the situation they're in right now. They'd probably be like a four seed or maybe a five seed, something like that. They would be in much better shape. Now they've got to adjust and adapt on the fly. And again, I'm cautiously optimistic. I am. I think that they can do this. I think they can make a run. I think they can scare the hell out of anybody come playoff time. I think that's what we're going to see out of this Lakers team. But I'll also say this. The fan part of me wants to see all of that. And, of course, I'm going to be more optimistic because of that. Right? We all are. Look, there's there's a reason why every year 
each summer we say, oh my gosh, this team is so deep. They've got so much depth. Well, it's because we believe every single player is going to live up to their potential each year. And we don't account for, well, some players don't. Some players fall short. Sometimes things don't work out like you think. It isn't always the best optimal outcome that you see. So with that being said, the fan part of me says, yes, this is going to work and this can work. But, oh boy, Lakers Nation, there's a dark timeline here too. (laughs) And I hope we don't wind up in this world. I hope we don't timelines. Oh no. We've, we've, we have walked through too many of them as is Um, visited too many realities that that saw a a nightmarish hellscape with the Lakers outside of the playoffs looking in, but this, these next stretch of games are going to be incredibly important Yeah, because I think we're going to see one of two things. I think hopefully fingers crossed, we wind up with the Lakers making a playoff push looking good, scaring teams, they're hitting threes, they're doing things on the offensive end we weren't seeing before, they're locking in defensively, all of that. That's that's the world we want to live in. But if things continue to go south, if they don't win enough games, if they're only playing 500 basketball, in a few weeks' time, we and I'm not trying to speak this into existence, we could be talking about how many games does LeBron play for the remainder of the schedule, if it's pretty clear they're not going to make it there. And then for Darvin Ham from the coaching side of things, it gets really difficult. You see, the phrase is winning cures all, and that's true. But if you don't win and you look at this roster, I like this roster a lot, but you look at this roster and if you don't win, you've got a lot of guys on expiring deals that need to prove their worth for their next contract and that can be difficult to battle with for a coach when players need to put up their numbers now again if you're winning you're winning okay if you're not suddenly you've got a lot of guys that maybe aren't going to be playing the most team-friendly basketball out there as they look ahead to the summer again i hope that's not the world we wind up in but this, this is part of what has me nervous for this upcoming stretch of games here because things could swing wildly between an exciting and fun time and tragedy, right? That's that's what we're looking at here, Sean. I, I, I hope, I hope, Sean, that we don't wind up in the latter, in that, that alternate 1985 where everything has gone horribly wrong. Okay, so I just saw Ant-Man the Wasp Quantumania. No spoilers, obviously, but, yeah. like, if the Lakers, like, the season just continues to go downhill, we might get stuck in the time vortex, or, like, we we're just stuck in the exact same thing over and over and over again. Oh. But, but, talking about cautious optimism or whatever, I will go a step further, Trevor, and say that at its absolute peak, like if everything goes right, everything goes right, Lakers do not hold me to this. If everything goes right, this team could win a championship because, again, everything has to go right. You have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And the formula to winning with LeBron for his 20-year Hall of Fame GOAT-worthy career is defense and three-point shooting. You have legit three-point shooters now, D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Austin Reeves is a good three-point shooter himself. Like, and it, just the floor spacing in general. And then you have a budding superstar 
continue if he plays at that level consistently. Anthony Davis, a top ten player, it, it the formula fits, and the only team that really scares me, ironically, is actually Golden State, a healthy Golden State in a seven game series. Phoenix's depth really concerns me, and I don't trust Chris Paul still in a playoff series, and I don't trust DeAndre Aiden to be able to handle Anthony Davis. I would hope that LeBron and KD level each other out, right? Um, and then I mean, I guess that leaves you with Devin Booker, but but still, like I, 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 ironically or not ironically, I, I infamously talked about how much I don't like the Memphis Grizzlies team as a roster and the most recent pod I think with Jeff. Um, and how I think we match up well with them. Denver, you've played them well. Seven game series, a little bit different, but you've played them well this season. Um, so if everything goes right, I think you could, could win a title. I am not betting any amount of money on that, though, but that just shows that with the roster now actually fitting really, really well together, I get it's only three games, but I, I think the ceiling could be relatively high given where the Lakers are currently at. I I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I would hesitate to go so far as to say championship, especially with the team that's currently in the 13th seed. Fair enough. But, but no I hope you're right. That's, I love the optimism. I love the optimism. Now, I'll also say this. Look, this, what happens here, and this is why this, this is going to be the most important regular season stretch we've seen in a long time, could wind up being a big, big factor in what we see take place this summer. Um, it was about a week ago, I broke down the Lakers' decision-making that they're going to have this summer, including whether or not uh, the repeater tax could be something that could prevent them from hanging on to some of these guys. Essentially, the team, as it sits, the Lakers can keep almost everybody, essentially. I mean, you can keep you know, D'Angelo Russell. There's already talks they want to sign him to an extension. Great. Jared Vanderbilt, he's already on a contract. Malik Beasley, team option. Uh, Non-guaranteed money for Mo Bamba. You can keep him around. Like every Austin Reeves, you've got early bird rights on him. You've got the arenas provision that's protecting you there. Right. What's that? So you better keep him around. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. You bet. You better keep Austin Reeves, but, but bottom line, you can keep just about everybody. I mean, even, even look at Lonnie Walker, who may be the odd man out in the rotation. You'll have non bird rights on him that will allow you to maybe pay him even what his market value is, depending on what the, how the market develops. So the Lakers are in position if they are willing to spend the money including the tax money with the repeater tax added into it in order to keep this team together. But I'll tell you what, I have a hard time believing they're going to do it if this group flames out. I think if this team struggles, if they don't make the playoffs, that's where we're going to start hearing all the Kyrie rumors come up again. And look, I've been a big proponent of the let's not build around three stars anymore movement. The let's give us go back to what won a championship, go two stars and depth have the right pieces. I'm I have more fun with that kind of a roster build anyway, because I think the intricacies of it matter more. The decision making matters more. To me, a three-star roster build, it's it's a cudgel. You're beating teams over the head with blunt force. There's not a lot of elegance to it necessarily because you're just relying on hey, my three top guys are gonna be better than everybody else that you've got. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Right? Whereas I like having a roster with depth, and we need this guy that can bring this skill set and working in this player who can do these things, and it's all going to come together in this harmonious way. There's beauty to that. And so I like seeing the two stars and depth roster build that we've got right now. And I think the only way that you guarantee that they're going to stick with that, maybe guarantee is too strong of a word, by winning games. So what happens this summer and whether or not the Lakers front office and Jeannie are willing to spend this summer, that's also going to come down to what happens right now in this next stretch of games. So much on the, I'm making myself nervous here, Sean, just, just talking through it, but man, this is going to be, I hope this is going to be a lot of fun and the Lakers can come out roaring and start just throwing haymakers and we see this team get into the playoffs. But man, there is there is a ton on the line here. And I'm just sitting here, Darby Ham and the Lakers, please make it to the playoffs because from <laughs> a content standpoint, I, I, I was dozing off and like looking off uh, while you're talking, Trev, because I'm thinking of some of the things I could do if the Lakers make the playoffs. So, Darvin Ham, get your crap together and get the Lakers to the playoffs. You were dozing. That's how long-winded I was that you were dozing off while I while I was talking. Not dozing off. <laughs> you were, I got you. Wrong choice of words. <laughs> oh man, I I'm going on this this monologue here. You know, just <laughs> unleashing all the stuff that's been in my head while I've been running around theme parks the last few days. The Ninety degree Me, weather. Meanwhile, I'm putting Sean to sleep. <laughs> um, let's let's talk a little bit about this because Lakers fans have been indeed discussing this quite a bit. Russell Westbrook uh, goes to the Clippers. Sean, I know you've talked about this a little bit. What's What's your take on this? Like I've seen, I've seen Lakers fans either are not happy, or they're happy thinking that he's kind of the uh, the the Trojan horse here. Yeah. That the the Clippers are they they they're going to create their own undoing by bringing in Russell Westbrook. What what do you think about this decision uh, by the Clippers and what it means for the Lakers? I I agree with the second option. I think it's gonna. I, I think the Clippers are potentially messing with a, 
a good thing here that they had. Like, they got a steal of a trade in Bones Highland. And now you're going to – Terrence Mann's been playing well. And they're going to take minutes away from those two by bringing in Russell Westbrook, um, basically because Paul George wanted him. Um, So that doesn't make all the – I mean – I, I just think when you make decisions based off of off of emotions, especially other people's emotions, anyway, bad things typically happen when you do things based off of just purely emotions. Because from a basketball standpoint, like I just mentioned, Bones, Norman Powell, Terrence Mann, like, and the biggest reason why John Wall, Reggie Jackson didn't work is because John Wall can't shoot, and Reggie Jackson was having a down shooting year, and you bring in a guy that can't shoot. Okay. Um, from Russell Westbrook's yeah. standpoint, makes perfect sense. You stay in L.A., not the Lakers, but you stay in L.A., play with your buddy, play with the guy that you wanted to team up with the, in the in the first place, and Kawhi Leonard. Um, sure, makes sense for Russ. From the Lakers' standpoint, I could give two cares in the world where Russell Westbrook went. I don't think this does anything for the Lakers. So when I look at this, I, I – Look, this is what I've been predicting was going to happen for weeks, even before Russell Westbrook was traded away from the Lakers. I said, he's going to get traded, he's going to get bought out, and he's going to go to the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not me taking a victory. That's not no, – no victory laps here. There's no – I'll talk there's no you, in- Trevor. Wow. I know, right? No, there was, <laughs> there was no inside sources or anything. That was just logic, right? Just looking at what would make sense. Look, he's he's – and no fault at all. He's – uh, you know, his family is incredibly important to him and family is important for, for everybody. But uh, he had an opportunity to stay near his family, to stay in, in L.A. And so I knew that was going to be a big draw for him. Uh, on top of that, the Clippers have, have needed a point guard. But like you said, they just added Bones Highland. It, you know, you, you essentially swapped out Reggie Jackson for Russell Westbrook and, and Reggie Jackson had struggles shooting the ball. So does Russell Westbrook solve that problem? No. Uh, you could also say maybe you swapped out John Wall for Russ, which I mean brings in more irony. Like John Wall and Russell Westbrook doing this weird leapfrog thing to a number of different teams now where they've kind of followed each other and everything. But um, what concerns me is the whole starting job thing. If the Clippers are bringing him in to start him, and that's the plan, and that's there's rumblings of that already, and he may not start initially, but ultimately that's going to be what he's going to do. You're right. You're taking the ball out of the hands of a lot of other guys. And I don't know necessarily that's going to work. Now, I hope things work well for Russ. I hope things go well. I have no ill will towards him. Uh, for all accounts, he's a good guy. Uh, he didn't fit great with the Lakers, and they had trouble building a roster around him in part because he had $47 million on his contract this year. That's difficult. The Clippers don't have that problem. They'll have him on a, on a minimum deal, right? The Utah Jazz bought him out. So they're, they're not expecting $47 million worth of production out of Russell Westbrook. The Lakers were. That, that makes things a little bit less complicated for the Clippers. The downside for Russ, though, is just that. The Clippers don't have much invested in him. And so they need to win. If things are rocky, like you said, Sean, they've got other options right there. It will be very easy for them to say, nope, never mind. This isn't working. Russ, go sit down over there and we're bringing in other players. They can very easily pivot away from him. And that's, I think that was the danger here with Westbrook's decision. He could have gone, I would imagine he probably could have gone to Chicago, right? Before, before Pat, and we'll talk about Pat in a minute. Patrick Beverly went there. 
Probably could have gone to Chicago. Chicago, Lonzo Ball's done for the year. They'd need somebody to play point guard. He was probably going to get all the minutes he could handle in Chicago, probably get that starting role, and not have to worry about, well, it's got to go well. Otherwise, I'm going to be, I'm going to, something's going to change, right? Chicago, they'd just be looking for, to him to pour some gasoline on the fire there and really give them a boost. The Clippers, though, he's got to fit in perfectly. And if he doesn't, and they're not winning, they're going to go back to what was already working before he showed up. So that's the danger, with the upside, of course, being he could win a championship, stay in L.A., close to family, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Can't say that for for Chicago. So I understand the decision Russ made, but the danger is here that it doesn't work with the Clippers, and Russ heads into free agency with the last thing that happened is him being benched in order for a team to have some kind of success. That That's the worry here from, from Westbrook's side, I think. Yeah, and I mean, you, you kind of put what my last point on the Russell Westbrook to the Clippers thing was going to be was uh, if he went to Chicago and everything goes well, a lot of the credit, if anything, is going to go towards Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Um, if everything goes poorly in Chicago, it's going to be like, meh. They were what they're what the 12 seed right now. Like best case scenario, Chicago is going to be a first round exit because they're not beating Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, Cleveland, Miami, right? They're not beating any of those teams. If now, granted, best case scenario in LA to keep the bar low because I'm a Lakers fan and I don't want to see the Clippers do anything well. Uh, best case scenario is the Western Conference Finals, right? And Russell Westbrook helps them get there. Worst case scenario, like you just said towards the end there, Trevor, Russell Westbrook, and I am not wishing this at all. There's some timeline where Russell Westbrook balls the heck out, but the Clippers win zero games. Perfect. Yep. But the, there is a very, I say, high chance of probability where it doesn't go well. And Russell Westbrook doesn't play all too well. And they end the season, let's say, first round exit. And Russell Westbrook, for the time being, might have played his last NBA game. I'm not wishing that at all. No, no ill will on Russell Westbrook. Like you said, all tens of purposes, seems like a good guy. But if this goes poorly, that could be Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook's career. Because what's that going to be heading into next season? Seven teams in five years or something ridiculous along like that? So, yeah, it's it's a Hail Mary to say the least, from Russell Westbrook and his camp going to the Clippers. Yeah, I mean, I, I wish he didn't go to the Clippers so that I could root for him. Because I, yeah. I would be. Like, if he was in Chicago, all right, go ahead. Go nuts, Russ. Go, go have fun and You're prove that you can still do it and all that. But um, but again, and I don't have any ill will towards Russell Westbrook, but I, but I hope, like you said, hopefully he puts up a triple-double and he proves that he can still be a, a force in this league and the Clippers lose every game. Right, because you just can't you can't get behind the Clippers at this point. Um, I don't know if sticking it to the Lakers was any kind of motivating factor here for Russell Westbrook. The Lakers do play the Clippers with I think three games left in the season. Yep, which could end up mattering a lot in the standings. We'll see. Depends on how things go over the next few weeks here. But I don't know if trying to stick it through the Lakers and therefore going to the Clippers over somebody else. I don't know if that was any part of his decision-making. We do know Patrick Beverly, though, going with the Bulls, has said already that he wants to knock the Lakers out of the playoffs, that the Bulls play the Lakers twice. They do. They play them March 26th and March 29th. 
and that he wants to, as a Chicago Bull, knock the Lakers out of playoff contention. Um, Sean, I would not expect anything less from from Patrick Beverly, whether he's with Chicago or whatever team he's with. You had to know something like that was going to come from him. Like, by the way, the reaction from Laker fans on Twitter to that statement was hilarious, and I love Lakers uh, Twitter for it. But um, yeah, shrug, Pat, Pat, sure. Whatever you say. But how about you focus on helping your own team make the playoffs instead of another team? See, like basketball gods don't like petty. And that that that's what that is. That's petty. Like yeah, your your, uh, your team is also fighting to make the playoffs, didn't you? So did he say something about like making the playoffs this year or something? Like, Pat, worry yeah. about getting your own team to the playoffs. I mean, it's kind of his it's on brand for Patrick Beverly to make to make those kind of comments. And again, he sure. no problems with what he did as a as a Laker. He battled, he fought. Um, you know, wish him the best in, in Chicago. And I hope the Lakers beat the Bulls both times they see him. Um, all right. Let's talk a little bit about the buyout market before we yeah. wrap things up. The buyout market, you know, obviously Patrick Beverly, Russell Westbrook, two former Lakers that are now, you know, with with new teams. Russell be joining the Clippers, uh, Patrick Beverly going to Chicago Bulls. Uh, we've had a number of other players join you know, new new locations. Uh, the buyout market, though, man, there's not a lot left. And I can't say that the Lakers would be like a top landing spot because they're in the 13th seed. If they were the four seed or something like that, maybe things would be a little bit different. But here's what Woj has on his list of some of the, some of the buyout free agents. Serge Ibaka, John Wall, LaMarcus Aldridge, Will Barton, Stanley Johnson, who the Lakers are not eligible to sign, Wayne Ellington, Tyler Johnson, Sterling Brown, Hassan Whiteside, David Nwaba, and Michael Carter-Williams. Like, there's some other guys out there, but there's nobody there that I'm, I'm looking at saying, oh, man, the Lakers need to get... Like, okay, Will Barton just got waived. If, if they can get him, sure. But I don't know, Sean. There, there's nobody there that I'm... that excited about the Lakers potentially going and adding and, and they do have an open roster spot right now to add somebody. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's basically my facial expression this entire time when Trevor's going through the names. It's like, uh, no, no, no. But like, even for a few of those guys, like Serge Ibaka, who would probably be the most interesting, I guess you made a Obama trade and you have winning Gabriel who I'd rather play over Serge Ibaka right now. The most interesting, the second most interesting name on the list is Will Barton, who, very similar to Danny Green, who I think Laker fans wanted, where is he going to play? Like, he's not playing over Troy Brown Jr., who analytically has been one of the better one-on-one isolation defenders in the NBA this season. He's not playing over Reeves. He's not playing over Jared Vanderbilt, Rui Hachimura, LeBron Stone, obviously. Like, He's not playing over any of the current wings. So, like, why would Will Bar and the Lakers are the 13 seed? So, why would he come to the Lakers? Like, so not only are is this crop of guys like that there are left rather, because obviously Russ, who got bought out, went to the Clippers, um, Pat Bev to Chicago, but that's because of us. Um, Kevin Love to Miami, who had could have been a little bit interesting, but again, who would he have played for over? Like, what minutes do we have for Kev right now? And we're not better spot landing spot than Miami. So I think it's just a bunch of problems right now. Like it's not only the names aren't that intriguing, but the names that are intriguing, you don't have minutes for, and there's just better, not even better, 
there's just more uh, secure, I guess is the right word, landing spots and destinations right now because, you know, a lot of the other teams that have, that are competing for some of these guys are not the 13th seed. Like, would, would any of those guys play over Lonnie Walker? Will Barton, maybe. Yeah, I mean, but that's uh, probably about it, right? Like, I mean, Stanley, but the Lakers can't sign him, so that yeah. doesn't matter. Uh, and I don't, I can't even say for sure, Stanley. Like, Lonnie's done some really good things this year, too. So, and Lonnie seems to be the odd man out. Lonnie and Wenyan seem to be the kind of guys outside looking in on the rotation right now. I would hold out on the Wenyan take because I think there will be games sure. where I think you will need Wenyan. Lonnie, I agree. And I think that's a good decision, although I feel bad for Lonnie. No, you're right. You're right. We're waiting to see. Was, was Mo Bamba playing against the Pelicans? Was that a, um, was that a Valanciunas thing? Or was that a this is what our rotation is thing? I can see uh, playing Golden State. Yeah, or like a Dallas. Make a lot of sense. Yeah. So, all right. Not a lot out there on the bio market. In lieu of that, you're still sitting there with an open roster roster spot. You could just leave that roster spot open. But Sean, what else would you like the Lakers like? Should they finally just give a spot to to Jay Huff? Like, if if the bio market is fizzling, I mean. Do you call up Jay Huff and bring him in, bring in somebody else from the G League? What 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 should they do with that spot then? Or or do they just leave it and keep the savings of not having a 15th player on the roster? Uh I haven't thought about that actually. I think you you call somebody up or you just leave it, honestly. Like I think what am I like giving it to Cole Swider even maybe? Like who's on a two-way right now, but on yeah. a two-way. Like you never know, you might just need a dude with some size. Not the best defender, but even though he's had like a moment or two, moment or two where he's been serviceable. But yeah, like just a legit like sharpshooter, right? Um, and you can never have too many of those guys on your team. Um, other than that, I just rock with it. Just rock with having that empty uh, roster spot. And because um, there's nobody, I, I've seen the argument of just sign somebody just because locker room presence. That that makes no sense in my opinion. So, either Carmelo Anthony, Lee, go Would get you, Cole Swider and call him up. What about Melo? Would you bring in Carmelo Anthony? No. Yeah, it's. I mean, he's one of the names: Dwight Howard, Carmelo Anthony, those guys that are out there. I don't know that the minutes would, would be there to make sense or something if you're like, like that. like a four or five seed actually competing for a title, Melo, you want to just hop along for the ride, win a title, retire? Sure, we love that. But the odds of, although I was the optimistic one, the odds of you winning a title are still very low. So he could get, he, Melo's going to be able to get buckets for the next like 10 years. Like he could come in <laughs> and give you 10 minutes and put up 10 points in a, in a playoff game. 20 though. <laughs> he could, he could do it. Yeah. That's the, that's the concern there, but yeah, I don't see, I don't, I, I think the Lakers have made their big moves. I don't see a lot out there on the bio market. You know, if Will Barton wants to come great. Um, there's some other guys that maybe you could plug in, but I don't, it, I don't think they have a clear uh, allocation of minutes to give out. And that's really what buyout players are looking for. They're looking for a clear role. They can step into where they can show their stuff. So they can get another contract and ideally have a chance to win a championship while doing so. Um, the Lakers, whether or not they check those boxes, it's, it's questionable at best. So so I don't think we're going to see something big happen here on the buyout market. I think the big stuff we've already kind of seen happen with Kevin Love, uh, with some of these other guys that have that have gone to you know various locations, whether it's 
you know, Phoenix or Miami or wherever, uh, Dallas. So, yeah, I, I think the Lakers are, are – this is going to be the team for all intents and purposes. This is what they've got, and now they've got this stretch run of 23 games, and we'll see. We'll see what they can do. Sean, what's what's your prediction for their record? Next 23 games, what are they not, – not their total record, just for these next 23, when the dust settles, what's their record for that stretch? I think me and Sky agreed on like 15 and 7. Wow. Yeah, 15 and 8, 15 and 8. I think we agreed That's... on that. Looking at the schedule, they get out – if they can get through like this first 7 or 8, like relatively fine, like 5 and 3, uh, 5 and 2, first 7 out – Something along then fifteen and eight, but you got you got to go, you got to go like thirteen or fourteen for sure if you want a shot. That is that would be winning games at a sixty five percent clip. Uh, the Denver Nuggets are the only team in the West that's winning games at a higher percentage than that. They're at seventy percent. Uh, the Celtics and the the Celtics, Bucks, and Seventy Sixers are also winning games at that higher percentage, but that's it. So you would have to be, that would put them on pace to be essentially be playing at a top five level to do that. But if they did it, look, if they do that, go 15 and eight they're they might be in the playoffs. They could play their way out of the play in potentially. Mm. They were able to win that many. It would be maybe still a bit of a stretch. Other teams would have to do stuff. They're what three and a half games back of the sixth seed right now. Basically, my goal was, and I talked about this with Ron, I think the goal is to get to, like, eight. I think I actually yeah. think I talked to this, about this with everybody. Your goal is to get to eight. Um, so so it's double elimination instead double, of single elimination. Right, double elimination. You would get to host the second game if it gets to that point, and you have an opportunity to get that seven seed, right? Yep. And play Memphis, who I think is the weaker of the top two, teams in the West right now. I'm not going to repeat my five-minute rant about how I don't like the Memphis Grizzlies. Go listen yeah. to a previous pod about that. All right. Well, I think that's a pretty good place to wrap things up there. But Lakers Nation, again, can't say it enough. Next stretch of game is going to be so important. We'll see what the Lakers can do on Thursday against the Warriors. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Make sure you are subscribing to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications, follow along with the Lakers Nation podcast over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.